Okay, folks, it's Sir the Bird here. A good morning, good afternoon, good night. <clears throat> I'm going to hit something here. And I'm going to hit it hard. Because I don't think the church likes to touch this topic. You know, there are certain things that the church will not touch. You won't hear it from the pulpit because it's something that people just don't want to discuss and they are very quick to ignore it and to sweep it under the carpet. I'm going to be looking at sex and the Christian divorcee. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. Sex and the Christian divorcee so this article will be dedicated to Christian divorcees everywhere question when you get divorced how do you deal with no sex do you masturbate do you sleep around in the meantime until you remarry again what do you do with that self-drive which keeps on crying out for I want sex and I want it now? How do you deal with a life with no husband or wife or no regular sex? Divorce is a problem that grips our society like an octopus. Strangling the very life out of our families. Even Christian marriages are dissolving in divorce at a very great rate. Even greater than secular marriages. Sex is very closely related to the divorce problem. Some divorces result from sex sexual problems per se in others sexual problems play a major role a husband and wife who completely share one another in a sexual relationship are not likely to ask for a divorce as long as you keep up the sex the relationship is good you know everybody nice their differences will be minimized and any conflicts that do crop up can be discussed openly and maturely. A healthy sexual relationship helps to preserve a healthy marriage. If you get what I'm saying, when you have healthy sex in your relationship, you get on better, you talk to one another better. By the same token, an unhealthy sexual relationship does nothing to stop the disintegration of the marriage and will speed it up even further. Divorce is an admission of failure. Regardless of the fact that God put you both together, it means that a husband and wife have failed to make the adjustments of marriage. And believe me, any marriage, all marriages, secular or Christian, they call for an adjustment. 
Divorce means that a man and woman have chosen to go their separate ways instead of facing their problems head on and trying to solve them. What do they do? They just give up. More often than not, divorce is a couple's surrender flag in the battle for maturity. Yeah, many married couples are immature from the start. They have no idea of the responsibilities that are dumped in their laps. They don't know what to do. They haven't got the foggiest idea. Some Christians marry far for the wrong reasons. Or they marry too young to cope as a couple. As far as I can concern, any age is too young if you are not ready for marriage. If you marry at 40, 50, 60 and you are not ready for marriage, that marriage will mash up. The most common divorce factors in a marriage breaking up are substance abuse, physical abuse, spiritual abuse, infidelity, adultery, sexual incompatibility, emotional abuse, falling out of love and into sin, financial and physical general incompatibilities that drive a firm wedge in between the marriage partnership and before you know it the both of you are going are growing further and further apart and heading headlong for temporary separation and the divorce courts it is true somewhat that divorced couples even divorced christian couples who still like each other can still happily coexist in an affectionate but enforced celibate no sex relationship dead marriage divorcing couples hardly have sexual intercourse well not with each other anyway there should be no doubt at all any absence of physical intimacy is a marital red flag anyhow sex starts to diminish in that relationship it means that the both of you got a problem and you have to deal with it straight away or it will fester and fest and get worse and it will give the devil the chance to slip into the gap and make things even worse other clear signs that your marriage is on the rocks and there's quite a few of them one you don't sleep together in the same bed anymore. You, you take the bed and he takes the spare room or the downstairs sofa. Two, you sleep back to back in the bed, same bed at the edge of the bed with a high barricade like a couple of pillars in the middle to stop Uno meeting together. Free. You can't stand the sight of each other. And when you do talk, it is in short, sharp sentences. Full of spite. Four. You argue over just about everything and anything. If the cat sneeze, a petty argument takes place. Five. 
he goes to bed wearing a sweater, a thick, thick sweater, or a long night dress that cover our body from our head to our foot. You can't see nothing. This, and what it basically means when he dresses like that is you ain't getting no sex at all. Period. Six, he goes to bed wearing pajamas. Yes, he used to go to bed wearing jockeys, Calvin Klein's, but now you might want the pajama trousers, you might want the pajama jacket, everything. He's not interested in any kind of intimacy. Eight, you live separate lives like you are both single again in the same house. Nine, you treat each other with absolute disrespect. If he touches you, you're quick to get on the phone and one call the police for rape. Ten, she refuses to cook for you out of spite and might even hawk and spit in the food as well. Eleven, one of you is coming home later than usual, smelling of stale sex. Twelve, he comes home and goes straight upstairs for a shower. Why? He had a shower earlier on, didn't he? Thirteen. One of you is making unnecessary secret lovey-dovey phone calls, texts or emails. They don't want you to hear or see anything. Fourteen. The PC... Are the laptop now as a new password you don't know? Or is then change it every week? 15. He always has his mobile phone on him. You know, he doesn't leave it anywhere anymore. And now he's got a password which he never used to have before. 16. He's trying to dress better and smell better. 17. He constantly criticizes the way you look and the way you dress. Your dry hair and your dry face. But he never used to do, do any, any of this before. So what's the problem? Has he changed? Has he got another woman? Probably. 18. He's always quick to put you down or humiliate you with never a good word. He criticized the food. He criticized the way you dress. He criticized the way you talk. You know, he criticized the way you drink the soup. Where at one time he used to love the way you drink the soup. The way you used to slurp it up, you know. Now, he can't stand it. 19. He criticizes the sexual intercourse you have. And surprisingly, he is the one with the headache. 20. You both pray separately in separate rooms to the two different gods. You praying to God to get him out of the house. And he's praying to God to get you out of the house. So which God are you not praying to? Eh? Sometimes one or both partners are quietly upset and vexed about something. They don't even try to talk about it, or even pray about it. They just immediately send you to Coventry and withdraw 
all physical and sexual contact as a form of punishment or emotional blackmail as a way of expressing their distress and displeasure. Sometimes you have to wonder if you ever, if you ever put it this way, sometimes you have to wonder if you are married to a Christian or a demon from hell, the way they carry on so bad. Eh? To some extent, divorce is caused by our society's casual attitude towards marriage. Many people think that marriage is simply a convenient arrangement that they can begin or terminate as they wish. Much like signing a lease on a flat. When you're tired of the scenery, you simply pack up your bag and leave. This kind of attitude shows a basic disregard for the spiritual side of marriage and is an insult to God. Just after World War II, when the divorce rate in America was growing at an alarming rate, the sociologist Henry A. Bowman made this comment in his book Marriage for Moderns, 1954. Marriages contracted with a civil ceremony are more likely to end in divorce than those contracted with a religious ceremony. This does not mean that an irreligious couple could increase the probability of their marital success by having a minister marry them to marry them. The type of ceremony is significant only to the degree to which it f- f- reflects the attitudes of the parties to the union. Dr. Bowman closed his remarks with this pointed note. Those marriages more deeply affected by the decline of religious authority are less likely to succeed or at any rate are more likely to divorce. Remember, this is a sociologist speaking, not a minister. He says that couples who have little regard for their spiritual life are more likely to fail in marriage. And are more likely to break up. They lack a vital ingredient of the cement that should hold a marriage together. Because they're, they're only married in two ways. In body and soul. But not in spirit. Divorce is a breakdown of the moral and spiritual fibers that bind a couple to one another. If they cut the spiritual strands that God used to put them together as man and wife they will find little else in common they will become disenchanted and dissatisfied with one another Mr. Right will become Mr. Wrong and Mrs. Right will become someone else many couples wind up in divorce court because they have a misguided notion of marriage to begin with a romanticized picture of what marriage would be like. But yet again, there's a problem. You marry the person and they turn into Dr. Hyde. They turn from Dr. Hyde to Dr. Jekyll in a matter of weeks. 
then again some people can't handle marriage period know why you're getting into that marriage I would stress before you marry go to God and ask him Lord should I be getting married what do you think Lord if God is gonna put the both of you together then at least go to him and find out what's going on thousands of young Christian couples marched down the wedding aisle with the sort of vision for what marriage should really be like you know they feel said from the minute they're married it's all gonna be a bed of roses but they're gonna get a shock a very unpleasant shock and some marriages that, that take place in the house of the Lord they do not survive and the marriage becomes a nightmare and a sham from start to finish selfishness is another common cause of divorce one or both of the partners begin to say I don't get the attention I'm supposed to get from this marriage or why doesn't he or she give me the love I'm supposed to get that's when the bickering starts husband and wife make subtle digs at each other they use hostile humor you know and hostile insinuations to get revenge because they think they have been shortchanged just like two nations beginning a war the minor skirmishes get worse the mates attack each other more and more soon the hatred boils over into divorce this sinful society we live in today is becoming more and more unstable which in turn causes individuals to become more unstable marriage partners begin growling and fussing at one another for any little excuse and they are more prone to run to the divorce court for any any problem but the courts do not solve the problem they simply bring it to a a final conclusion divorce court can never replace God Governments may rise and fall, but God remains the same. Our first loyalty as Christians is not to the not to the law books of our land, but to the word of God. When we obey his law, God's law, we will have no problem meeting the loose requirements of man's law. I would say put God first in your marriage. The reason your divorce or the reason your marriage is not working because you ain't got your priorities right. You're putting yourselves first and then you're putting God second. Once again, scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things. God is giving you a clue there. Seek me first, put me first, follow me, be ye holy as I am holy and I will give you anything you want. Marriage, many marriage counselors, even some ministers, 
would say that divorce is the best solution for a serious marriage problem. But is that the advice God would give? What does God have to say about divorce? Jesus told the Pharisees in Matthew 19, 8-9 Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery a person could interpret this passage to suit his own preconceived ideas about marriage but I think it speaks for itself Jesus is saying exactly what he means divorce is wrong simple as that notice that he said from the beginning it was not so God ordained marriage from the beginning but not divorce divorce is the devil's weapon for screwing up marriage only later when man and woman corrupted marriage with adultery and all sorts of perversion, did God find it necessary to permit divorce? It was better to make a formal separation between a husband and a wife than let, to, than let them display their corrupt relationship to the whole community. Let's look closely at the specific law that God gave for divorce. You still with me? Good. Deuteronomy 24, 1-2 When a man have taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes because he have found some uncleanliness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. God said that if a man found some uncleanness in his wife, if he was an adulteress, he did not have to live with her. He could give her a, a bill of divorcement and make a formal end to their marriage. That was the only reason for which God allowed divorce. And today, 21st century, that should be the only reason for divorce to be allowed. However, the, the children of Israel took advantage of the statement just like the people of today we we take advantage of what god says you know grant we grant div divorces over very trivial things we have taken liberty with the phrase from deuteronomy 24 she find no favor in his eyes and we have interpreted it 
to mean any dislike or displeasure that the man has against the wife or the husband he can get rid of them divorce them if you look today you will notice that people are getting divorced for very stupid things you know she can't cook so you divorce her you know for god's sake teach the woman how to cook buy her a cookbook show her how to cook you know if you keep on burning up the toast show her how to do the toast properly then don't pick a fight don't look for an excuse to get out of the marriage furthermore the jewish women in the old testament and probably now they lived in terror of their husbands always fearing that they would be divorced in a fit of anger in a matter of minutes being left to tend for themselves so god spoke through the prophet malachi to clarify the law he said the lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth against whom thou dost dealt, dealt with treacherously yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant and did not he make one and wherefore one that he might seek a godly seed therefore take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth for the lord the god of israel saith that he hateth put, putting away for one covereth violence with his garment saith the lord of hosts therefore take heed to your spirit that he deal not treacherously malachi 2:14 to 16 god hates divorce especially christian divorce he is not pleased when a husband and a wife sever themselves from one another bearing in mind god put them together in the first place and they got the nerve to tell god look i don't want to be married again i'm i'm finishing this thing they have no right to do that once god cleaves you together sticks you together you should stay together frankly i would do everything i could to avoid doing something that god hates i would try to find some way to rectify the situation divorce is the great cover up of marital sins yet god sees right through the cover he knows what really happened and he hates it God gave the Israelites strict rules that we should be keeping as well right now today to prevent any slap happy use of divorce. If any man take a wife and go in unto her and hate her and give occasions of speech against her and bring up an evil name upon her and say I took this woman and when I came to her I found her not a maid then shall the father of the disamp of the damsel and her mother take and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity 
unto the elders of the city in the gate. And the damsel's father shall say unto the elders, I gave my daughter unto this man to wife, and he hateth her, and lo, he hath given occasions of speech against her, and yet there are tokens of my daughter's virginity, and they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city, and the elders of that city shall take that man and chastise him, and they shall immerse him in an hundred shekels of silver and give them unto the father of the damsel because he hath brought up an evil name upon a virgin of Israel and she shall be his wife he may not put her away all his days Deuteronomy 22 13 19 from what I gather this guy was going to marry this woman and on the marriage bed now the the virginal blood stained the the sheets and stuff the parents kept it you know they put it away somewhere later on now the guy starts to badmouth his wife you know cussing her making her name ill repute saying that she'd been sleeping around and this and that she wasn't a virgin in the first place the parents run back to the cupboard bringing the elders show them the sheets stained with virgin blood and said look he's lying against our daughter he's giving her a bad name look at the sheets this is what they did on the wedding night some people get married and at first things seem to go well but eventually they start blaming and accusing one another. They try to say their spouse has ruined the marriage by having sex with someone else. But God will expose the truth either now or later. I'll just say this right now. If you have any sense as a wife or as a husband, you can tell when the wife or the husband is committing adultery. You can just tell. God also laid down rules to govern remarriage after divorce for example right the passage from Deuteronomy 24 allowed a divorced woman to remarry but take a look at what God then says and if the latter husband hates her and writes her a bill of divorcement and giveth it in her hand and send her out of the house her former husband which sent her away may not take her again to be his wife after that she is defiled for that is abomination unto the Lord Deuteronomy 24 3 to 4 you see God does not approve of all these Hollywood style Marrying one person after another is an abomination in his sight. God hates it. Elizabeth Taylor, seven or eight men. You know? I, got, I know I work with a guy as a chef and he had five wives. And even then he was moving on to another one because the other one was getting boring. So he's moving on. You know? All this jumping from one wife to the next, one husband to the next. God does not like it. 
So far as God is concerned, a divorced woman who has remarried is now defiled unto her former husband and her first husband would corrupt himself by marrying her again. Even when God permitted divorce, he regulated it to make sure that no one used this uh, divorce as an excuse for promiscuity. This is not me earlier talking, this is the word of God. If you are having problems with your marriage as a Christian, consider your alternatives besides divorce. Yeah, by all means, seek the advice of a capable Christian counselor. Your pastor may be able to do this. If not, he should refer you to someone who can. But the first step in dealing with your problem is being able to talk about it and a good counselor can help you to do that you know sometimes the both are so vexed with one another that no can't even talk but it will reflect on the family as well because when you're not talking sooner or later the kids will ask why isn't why aren't you both talking what's going on you know on top of that you got to pray about it your problem is God's problem both of you need to face your problem and admit that it is a problem your family needs to face it in fact you may find that your family grows stronger as you sit down together and talk about the marital problems have a forgiving spirit towards one another don't be afraid to reconsider what you've done and said yes you know i was wrong i'm sorry this kind of spirit would eliminate the vast majority of all divorces if only you said sorry you know maybe that would have helped but an obstinate stubborn unforgiving spirit continues to drag old problems out of the cellar and hurl them at everyone else the result is broken hearts and broken homes. You know? Every time you argue, you bring up things from five years ago, from three months ago, you don't forget nothing. Jesus Christ is our example of forgiveness. If we imitate his spirit of love and understanding to our mates, we, we will bring harmony back to the most disharmonious situations speaking of um, forgiveness notice that adultery can be forgiven just like any other sin some Christians think that God requires divorce for adultery even if the sinful mate repents of what he or she has done but look back at what he said it doesn't require divorce for adultery he allows you. He then says that he hates divorce, period. It is far better to forgive than to punish a person forever. If you hold a grudge against your mates over this divorce problem, you inject poison into your own veins. You make yourself a bitter person. You cause yourself as much suffering 
as your mate often more. But if you extend the hand of love to your mate, you will find your love returned. Growing stronger and more mature as a Christian. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Matthew 6, 9. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Matthew 6, 15. If your mate, your partner, admits adultery, I would suggest that you read the book of Hosea and learn what forgiveness really means. Think about the love Hosea had for his wife who kept sliding back in promiscuity. You married this man. And every minute she left him for somebody else. Sleeping around here, sleeping around there, then she would come back and gone again. The law allowed him to divorce her. And he certainly would have felt justified in doing so. But his love or not, he loved the woman. He didn't want to divorce her. He forgave her and brought her back home. Together they re-established the family. If you are having a marital problem, yes you are, yes you are. You just don't admit it. Go to the Bible together and see what God says about it. And then like what I always say, then pray, pray, pray without ceasing together, mind, and let the Spirit of the Lord fill you anew. Let His forgiveness flow into your hearts. Then talk to each other about the problem. Take the first step to heal the wounds in your relationship by saying, Listen, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Okay. You may puff out your chest and say, I hadn't done anything wrong. Listen, it takes two to tango. It takes two people to disagree. It takes two to have discord. It takes two to break up a marriage. So no matter whether you are right or wrong about the issue that started the problem, you are wrong to let it develop into trouble. You know, you are wrong to let it go f- as far as it did. Admit that. Ask for your partner's forgiveness. You know, as much as it sticks in your craft you say anything to them, ask for forgiveness and see how quick everything just come off of your shoulders. Remember, God will bring you back together if you mean it and if you both mean it. If they don't want to get back together, then fine. Make them go on their ways. You know, you've done your part. But remember, God will make a way when there seems to be no way. Alright, finally. Unfortunately for divorcees, they have to go to the back of the queue for remarriage. And getting married again is even harder than the first time. Sadly, some churches frown on remarriage and they will treat you like you have leprosy. You know? What do you do? 
You pray without ceasing. You've heard me say this time and time again. You pray and you pray and you pray and you pray without ceasing until God does something about it. He has got to do something about it because God never fails. At the end of the day, don't worry or fret. Only God has the final say in your life and when he is ready when he's good and ready for you to marry again it will happen in the meantime just wait on the lord and be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart yeah you're not getting any sex you're not getting what you what you used to get but in the meantime like the verse says here wait on the lord and be of good courage in 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 time god will make a way this is early birds signing off peace